Welcome to Beach Houses and Babies, a private practice recap podcast. I'm Sam, and we have a very special show for you today. Today, we are covering three episodes, two from private practice and one from Grey's Anatomy. Because this is a crossover episode, I have some exceptional guests with me today, Abby and Bree from the On Call Room, one of my favorite podcasts. They recap Grey's Anatomy episode by episode and also chat about everything under the sun, and I love listening to them. I know you will too, dear listeners. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hello. (laughs) So happy to be here. I know. I'm so thrilled to have you. So where are you coming from today? Uh, You go first. My bedroom in Michigan. That's where I'm coming from. Amazing. Uh, Yes. And I am in my office in Michigan. Bree and I are lucky enough to live in the same city. And so it's just very crazy to be talking to you on your own podcast when we first got to know you through being a patron of ours. It feels very like like Lion King circle of life. Yes, very full circle. So on today's episode, we are going to be chatting all about Private Practice Season 2, Episodes 15 and 16, and Grey's Anatomy Season 5, Episode 15. Private Practice Episode 15, Acceptance, was written by Michael Ostrowski and directed by Steve Gomer. It aired on February 5th, 2009. Grey's Anatomy Episode 15, Before and After, was written by Tony and Joan Rader and directed by Dan Adius. It aired on February 12th, 2009. And Private Practice Episode 16, X-Life, was written by John Cohen, Robert Rovner, Krista Vernoff, ooh, and Deborah Kahn mm-hmm. and directed by Mark Tinker. It aired on February 12th, 2009. That's a lot of people who wrote X-Life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ton of people. I think that that actually is in one of our um, trivia at the end, but yeah, that's a lot of people. Yeah, well, I wonder why. Yeah, I didn't know it took that many people to write an episode. <laughs> I don't know. I truly I, don't know. And I feel like you would think it feels disjointed, but I feel like it doesn't really. It should feel more. Yeah, that's gotcha. cool. Well, yeah. lucky us that we get to do a Krista Vernoff episode. That's what I was just yes. going to say. It feels, it feels, again, full circle, Lion King. We manifested <laughs> this moment. I'm here for it. Got to have some Simba here. We should like invite Simba. <laughs> <laughs> and Nala. It would really be Nala that would come, let's be honest. Yes, yes. for sure. And I would like the, the Beyonce Nala version, please, if I could pick. goes without saying. Without saying. <laughs> so how did you two decide to start your own podcast? Your own Grey's Anatomy podcast, I should say. I'll start answering that, Brie, and you can jump in. Um, sure. I wanted to have a podcast, and whether that was going to be alone or whatever, I like interviewed a few friends about like random things once, including Brie on New Year's Eve of, I don't even remember what year it was at this point, maybe 2016, um, like, and, and interviewed her, which did air once. <laughs> I regret all of that, but I just loved the, I love podcasting and I thought it'd be a fun medium to get into. Realized doing it on my own was not as fun as I imagined it would be. And so Brie and I were at her house one day, um, watching like our old favorite episodes of Grey's like mostly sad I feel like we watched the musical what else did we watch Brie we maybe watched Christina episode like the last one or yeah and potentially maybe one like very early on did we watch the bomb episode we might have because that's your favorite that's a good one 
Yeah. So we yeah. we did that, and then um, I just we thought about how we love talking about Grey's and character arcs and Meredith, and we thought to ourselves, why don't we do what Gilmore Guys is doing? Because we loved Gilmore Guys. So Abby came to me, and she wanted to start a podcast, and we and I. I think the biggest thing is there was no podcast out there that had to do with Grey's Anatomy, which we found really shocking. I think we found maybe one or two that um, were no longer posting new episodes. And so we were like, you know what, this is something fun for us to do. And here we are. We just recently had our four-year anniversary of our podcast. Yes, congrats. Thank you. And um, we're finishing up season 11 right now. So the finale for that will air soon it will probably already have aired by the time that this this comes out but um yeah it's it's been a it's been a ride it's been a lot of fun I love that I love that and what's your favorite part about making a Grey's Anatomy podcast (laughs) Abby if you want to go first again we'll go in alphabetical order um yeah I I think for me it is that it's not very often with a friend that you get to have uninterrupted conversation without a cell phone, without even sometimes, you know, when you're, you're with a friend and you go, Oh, let me just show you this thing. And then you're on your phones and you're, you're doing something and you get distracted. I think it is very rare. And it is very special to me that Brie and I have had about two hours of uninterrupted conversation once a week for four years. I really think that that is like not normal (laughs) for people that don't. Yeah, for people that don't live together and are people who are like relationship partners. And so I just feel like that honestly has been the best part. Like, yes, I love Grey's, but it's just more fun to do that. Some episodes more than others, we can all admit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I agree with Abby. I mean, it's just like the intentionality of it all, like creating and carving out space in your life to commit to a project. But then also we do a lot of just chatting in the beginning. I've had some of the funniest moments in my life. Um, Oh my God. Like laughing so hard we cry. (laughs) I love totally, And telling the funniest stories I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like Grey's is just, it's like the, the vehicle that we use to like talk about our lives um yes you know once again we love Grey's Anatomy but it's been more a way for us to talk about our (laughs) vulnerabilities and triggers and traumas honestly yeah no I love it and you guys do it in such a wonderful way and you're so respectful of all of the different you know cornucopia of truly wild medical cases that they have it's never like ooh, did you see that guy's face it's like talking about everything you know I'm glad that. you say that. I feel like the one time we didn't was the man who is like made of warts. I feel like that one was hard. Oh, the tree man. The tree man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With respect, tree man. I do that in skull flaps. Anytime there's a skull flap, we or anything uh, with an eye. Anything with an eye. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Have a hard yeah. time. But yeah, it's been really special, and um, I'm glad. I'm really amazed that it's been four years. Like I have. I don't know that I've ever worked on a project that's lasted this long. Yeah, I'm trying to think of when I discovered you two. I don't know. Not the beginning. No, 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 not the beginning. I want to say it was like this last year feels like (laughs) eight years, a month, and also, yes, a decade. (laughs) So it it definitely way before quarantine, but I want to say maybe like between two and a half and three years ago, I think. Okay. 
Wow. Well, yeah. we've had waves of of like listeners. Like there was there's like the first wave, and then some of them kind of dropped off. And then we had we've had like new waves, and it's been really fun to see people join our like listener community and stick around and start to like have inside jokes with each other and and things like that. Um, there are a couple that have been there since the beginning, and that is again just like to think of what they've all listened to is just like wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what are some of your other favorite things, right? Like other favorite TV shows and movies and books? Mm. For you go first. That's a great question. Okay. I've always loved Gilmore Girls. Yes. Um, I almost said Gilmore Guys. Um, <laughs> I also love Gilmore Guys. Also a valid answer. Yes. Um, but I love Gilmore Girls. It's kind of like my safety blanket. Mm-hmm. Um I'm afraid of the dark. And so I like to have television on when I sleep um, because mostly for the light. And that's one of those shows that I can put on every single night because I've seen it a gajillion times. And um, so that's a very special show to me. Obviously, Grey's Anatomy. Um, I love true crime stuff. I feel like I'm like every person who listens to a podcast. Like, <laughs> I love like, you know, like my favorite murderer. And like, um, I'm really into, you know, like Netflix documentaries about crime. And I don't know why we're all so interested in that. Favorite movies, Lord of the Rings forever <laughs> for my life. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, and then we were just talking about this recently, how I don't read enough. Um, I would really like to read more, but I'm in grad school. And so it's not, it's hard to read for pleasure. Mm -hmm. So, um, but if I do read, I like to read like memoirs and like, I'm more into nonfiction than I am um, fiction. And I'm reading this really interesting book right now. It's called What My Mother and I Don't Talk About. And it's 15 writers and so they're just different essays in them about like conversations or things or like difficult relationships with their mother it's very very good I want to read that yeah you can read it in like three years when I'm finished (laughs) perfect (laughs) I was just having a conversation with a friend about how we're reading so much more now as quote-unquote grown-ups whatever that means than we did when we were in school because when you're forced to read these books in school you don't you don't want to or really have the stamina to read anything else for the most part. So totally. Yeah, I sympathize. Well, and there's this really interesting thing about that. I can't remember the name, so you'll have to look this up. Maybe you can put this in the show notes. But Brene Brown, she if you know who Brene Brown is, yes. um, she has a wonderful podcast, Unlocking Us, and she interviewed this person who does research on how story and like reading can help with trauma mm-hmm. and and how like we can gain things from like it's a therapeutic tool and like through narrative and it was really interesting because he talked about how like in school Sam like you were saying how we were forced to read those things you actually don't get the same thing out of them being forced to read a book as you would be if you just picked it up yourself and found meaning out of it for you that Um, makes me sad because I think I am forcing you to read Harry Potter (laughs) maybe but I'm trying very hard (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Brie, you can read it if you want to. Thank you. Now I'll read it all. <laughs> but if you don't finish it, you don't get your present. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. That's true. That's true. Oh, that's really interesting. I 
I would love to like do, or like, this sounds dumb, read about research as like in terms of reading literature, because I don't know what makes someone enjoy reading and what makes someone not. I don't think it's like nurture necessarily. Cause like I love reading, but I have zero memories of my parents reading me books. Like I, I just like, that's not like, it's not like every night we sat down and read. Like I just have always like, I like couldn't, I would like you'd have to tear a book out of my hands, but like, I don't know why. So I would love to know like the difference. I love that. I want to hear that Brene Brown thing. Cause that's really interesting to me. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. And he even goes into like how there are two types of PTSD and what it does in your brain. And there's a certain type of PTSD that like reading, um, like, um, Greek mythology can help with it because you're able to like put yourself out and be like, look at this tragedy that someone else went through. It's like very interesting research. Um, Sweet. So this is now a podcast about (laughs) Brene Brown. I love that. But hey, I mean, that could be why things like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson are so popular because the lead characters have so much trauma. Why, you know, Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice. Not that Addison at the top has too much trauma, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. So Abby, how about you? Yeah. I was trying to think if I have a comfort blanket show. I think that's a fun question to think about. And I don't know that I do. I think it might, it used to be Grey's <laughs> and I don't know that it is anymore just because I am like in Grey's Anatomy, literally it feels like. Yeah. Um, but I do love Shameless currently and still like it's the last season for that. Um, I, the killing on Netflix was one of my favorite like crime, British, it's not British, just a crime show. It was only like three or four seasons, but I read every single night. Like, and so I was just going to name like three recent books I read, if anyone cares. Um, So number one, I would say I'm currently reading The Woman in the Window. It's about a woman with agoraphobia and- They just made that a movie, right? A couple years Yeah, they're going to, which is why I'm reading the book. Um, And it's great. Uh, I just reread the Twilight series. Don't necessarily recommend, but if you did read it in the early 2000s and you just want to go back, it's a great trip down memory lane. And I also loved Normal People. And that one also is on Hulu. Haven't watched it yet. And a friend and fellow listener of, I think, both these podcasts, Chris, recommended The Great Believers to me by Rebecca Mackay. And it was an excellent, excellent book. So that is my favorite book in the history of novels. Oh, yeah, that's right. You have read it also. Yeah. Um, also, I feel starstruck that Chris listens to my podcast. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Cool. I love books. I love red wine. I love walking my dog. And I'm happy that it's deck season. So there we go. That's my dating profile. <laughs> I'm so happy <laughs> my dating profile is a very married person. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Great Believers is like my favorite film in the his- film. It should be a film, and they should cast me in said film. Um, <laughs> um, that is, it's my favorite book. If you haven't read it, Brie, I know that you don't love reading, but when they make it into, into a film, and I'm in it, then you can just watch the movie, and it'll build. Absolutely, be perfect. Great, love that, love that. I would love to support you, um, and <laughs> I and maybe I'll maybe I'll get to it. I have a lot of, but if you're both really, really talking it up, um, if it's like your favorite novel of all time, then I guess I could add it to my list. Perfect. So. We've talked a little bit about pets here on BHAB Pod. I would love to hear about Queen Marge and King McCoy and how they <laughs> came into your lives. And yeah, I just, I mean, you can describe them if you want. I love them. That's um, Bree's cat and Abby's dog. Yes. Yeah. My sweet girl is actually sleeping on the bed next to me. Take a um, Yeah. She is 
an empath like me. Mm -hmm. She like really feeds off of my energy when I'm not doing well, she's not doing well. And like, she started this thing where I, when I'm in class, because I'm online for class that she has to be in the room with me, but she won't bother me. She'll just sleep next to me. Like she'll bang on the door to come in. Um, it's very sweet. Cause I think she just wants to like support me, yeah. but she is uh, going on 11. I um, got her when I was 19. My boyfriend at the time decided to move to the UP to go to school. And I said, well, if you move like nine hours away from me, we live in the lower peninsula. Um, I said, you have to get me a cat. Um, so he did. He We went and found Marge and her name was Daisy at the time. Oh, wow. I renamed her. Yeah. She had a brother named Donald, Daisy and Donald. Oh. And I renamed her Marjorie and she is so sweet and loving and she loves my I keep I'm not like I'm staring at her while talking about, <laughs> while talking about her um like I could just cry because she she's so nice to people like cats can be finicky and not nice and she will when I have girlfriends over she'll just come downstairs and hang out um she's a really really special cat and she got me through my 20s so mm. I'm very grateful to her she's like small-ish too she's like not a super mm -hmm. big cat like and, and I'm I've never well I have had a cat I lied but like I can go up to her and just like come in the door not even like have been in the house for a while put my hands around her head and put my head up to hers and like she won't do any you know, like some cats it's like you gotta they have to smell you rub on you then when you go to touch them they attack you like Marge is just like She's lovely. She's my favorite cat that I know. She's so sweet. She's a tabby. So she has like the M on her forehead Aww. and she's just gray. And yeah, she's, she's the coolest. I mean, don't get me wrong. She can be a cat sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She sleeps on top of my head. So I can't like, and, but sometimes she'll also, I take naps on my lunch break. And so she'll come downstairs and she'll jump up and she'll wrap her paws around my neck. She'll like and lay nap on my chest and. Yeah. And we'll like hug each other Aww. as we like nap. So I don't know what I'm going to do when I lose her, but she's got like a thousand more years yeah, left in My her. childhood cat lived to be 18, almost 19. So you have Perfect. plenty of years to go. Yeah. <laughs> plenty. Plenty. Yeah. Thank you for letting me talk about my daughter, Marge. <laughs> Literally anytime. This is a safe place for all furry friends. <laughs> and tell me about McCoy. Um, I feel like it's such a vanilla story. So it was 2012 and I had had a dog. I lived in Wisconsin for my first year after college and lived alone in a house. And I got a rescue dog and he was the cutest dog ever. He had a lot of issues. It was super territorial of anyone other than me. And mm -hmm. unfortunately he passed away. And so McCoy was my rebound puppy. So Jake and I, it was like, we both finished college, but we're living with our parents like separately for one year. And I just was so sad to not have a dog anymore that I literally got a rebound dog. Like I was like, you will attempt to fill the hole that has left. And he, so he was four months old and for the first year, Jake and I, like, I had him on weekdays and Jake had him on weekends when I worked. It was like a divorced child situation. <laughs> and then um, when we moved in together, obviously he came with us in our apartment. So he has seen us through like the three years before we got married. And then 
into buying our new home. And then now he's like a pit, it's an American Staffordshire mix. So he's like a pit bull mix. And he has a lot of anxiety issues. We take our meds at the same time every morning, which I love. <laughs> and and um, he's just getting older, which I've never had a dog live past seven. And so I've never experienced the older dog life. And I am, I'm quite sad about it. Um, but he's just wonderful. He doesn't like coughing. So like when Brie comes to my house, if she coughs, he like immediately freaks out. It's his one um, weakness. But lately added to that are helicopters because there's been some helicopters circling near our house. Uh, It's leaf blower season coming up and that is another sound that sets him off. So he's just, you know, I, I mean, he's a rescue and I'm glad we got him, but he is a special tall deer looking boy and we love him. I love that. That is not a vanilla story at all. I mean, couple, boy, girl gets dog before they have kids. A little vanilla. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's a, he's a special. Yes. He's a special dog. I mean, I love McCoy so much. He is my sweet nephew, <laughs> but he hates me. Oh, and no. it's because I use, like, I, for a while I was going over to Abby's a lot and I clear my throat a lot and mm-hmm. he just does not like that. And so I think it's gotten a little better, like now when he sees me, but for a while I would come and he would go near Abby and like headbutt her like scary person is here. Well, I don't it's like immersion therapy. It was better when you came all the time. And then when it hadn't been a while, it's like a shocking thing. Also, Brie, when you're not here, I am the public enemy number one. Like he goes to Jake. So there's just someone that he puts on the scary totem pole. And then whoever is on the bottom, you know, has to feel bad. He doesn't hate you. He is nervous. And as we, you know, I I feel like pets really can shed a light onto like human things that we all experience, you know? Also, this is now an animal podcast. A hundred percent. Beach houses have have a lot of dogs. Dogs and babies make great content. Mm -hmm. We love it. Mm -hmm. We love it. So we talked a little bit about why you, what's your favorite part about making a Grey's Anatomy podcast, Mm -hmm. but what have been your favorite memories so far of Mm -hmm. making The Uncall Room? One of my favorite memories is when Abby, we like read things like notes and trivia or something. And she read the word segue as segu. Um, (laughs) I don't think I have ever laughed so hard in my life. Um, That was one of my favorite moments. Couldn't figure it out. Like, you know, you just, you're like, that didn't sound right. (laughs) Yeah. Segu. There was also this time that we had ate dinner at Abby's house and we moved to a different room and like within recording, I found (laughs) that I had like, um, uh, pancetta. I was going to say Prosecco. Pancetta. Just a little different. Prosciutto something. I had bacon in my pants. Like it had somehow made its way, um, into my pants. It was so sharp. It was like hard and sharp. Oh, like yeah. the dry and, kind? Yes, like, like yeah. yeah, crispy. Yeah, no, not like a floppy piece of like prosciutto. <laughs> I was <laughs> picturing like on top of a flatbread with some like ricotta. <laughs> it was the cubes that were grilled, yeah. so they were very sharp, like dirt. <laughs> or yeah. So you're like, what is this in my pants? Yeah, and so I would say like, I guess to like sum it up and then Abby, you can mm-hmm. um, say your favorite moments. I I have this thing, my emotions are all very connected. And so I do this thing where I like start laughing really hard that I start, like I start crying, but then it can tip very easily into like actual sadness because I like, 
And I have experienced that so many times on the podcast, like that time with bacon in my pants. We had to stop the podcast because Abby was like, you're about to get sad because I was laughing so hard. And those are just the best, like, because they're just dumb things. And the wonderful thing is we have that now recorded Mm -hmm. that we can go back to and listen to. It's like four years of journaling, you know, um, so that's oh, been really that's cool. so weird to think about oh my god <laughs> it's like terrifying and wonderful all at once I would say for me one is when we were reading would you rather questions out loud to each other oh, yeah. and um it just like it, we couldn't we were like what are we going to talk about before the podcast I was like I don't know and we like googled would you rather questions and again, I call them church laughs. It's like when you know you shouldn't be laughing that hard, but you you can't stop, which it's very rare that I get that. And so that was one. Also, I would say too that the Zoom hangouts like are just really like after every single one, I'm always like, how is it that like this many strangers can be in a virtual hangout of all things? I just, I feel like our interests, we like found this community of people that have such specific niche interests with us. <laughs> like, it's just like Hamilton, yeah. Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, and Grey's Anatomy. Like I, we've created a community of that, which I love so much. Yeah. I think that's something that I would say I'm most proud about the podcast is like, we have these, Abby and I, of course, have this super strong connection. We've been friends for years and years. So it's easy for us to get together and chat once a week. But the people that we have met that we would never have met before outside of this podcast, Sam, you, like, we never would have met you. And now here we are on your podcast. That's something really special that these shows have brought all of these people across, not even the country, across the world Mm -hmm. together. Yeah. That's a super cool thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, We have quite a few listeners from the UK and Denmark, which is. Yeah. We're shout out to y'all. Yeah. We love that. And just to transition, look at me Mm -hmm. transition. Mm -hmm. We also like to read some of our reviews. Ooh, fun. So, So this review is from Nisi X says love five stars thank you five stars this is one of my favorite shows so i'm excited to listen to you guys recap it both of you are intriguing and hilarious so thank you nisi um i've chatted with nisi a few times on instagram as well so they are incredible congrats that's so nice so as you know what we do on here is first notes for every episode since this Mm -hmm. is three episodes that we are covering Anyone whose um, story goes over more than one episode, we're going to talk about towards the end. So those three are Archer Montgomery, who has, I'm going to try my best here, a tonic clinic seizure, upward gaze palsy, neurocystocytosis, and seizure. Jen Harmon, who's pregnant, mirror syndrome, congestive heart failure, hemolysis? I feel like they said it differently. I feel, like, I feel like Addison said, like, hemostatol. Your guess is as good as mine. Great. I think um, I'll just right. going to call Dr. Montgomery when we're done to just double check on that. <laughs> um, fetal anema, anemia and aphasia. And then our third little miscellaneous but big section is going to be about Joe's Bar and the friendships. Fun. Yes. But in private practice, season two, episode 15 – we have Patty, who is going to have knee surgery and has back problems. We have Maggie Klein, who is pregnant with Beth Klein, who has a hematoma. 
in Grey's season five, episode 15, we have Michael Whitman, who is Beth's father, and Michael has an ingenial hernia, obstruction, colorectal cancer, and dead bowel. And then in Private Practice Season 2, Episode 16, we have the beloved Dr. Sam Bennett, who has an asthma attack, bronchiospasms, and an allergic reaction. And then we have Rachel, who has sleep deprivation, postpartum psychosis, and her daughter Cynthia, who has a bath submersion. Abby, what's your first note for Private Practice Season 2, Episode 15? It is, does private practice have more sex than Grey's Anatomy does? I think back then they both had quite a lot. That's true. Maybe just current doesn't have it as much. But like that was a sec. I mean, Archer was going down on Naomi. And I feel like you don't often see something that blatant. No, you don't. You don't. Yeah. My first note was, well, I have two. Loving Addison's haircut and that suit thing. Yeah. That haircut, so good. And then my other note was in all caps and it said, ah, that would be the worst thing ever. Your partner about to go down on you and then freaking out like that. No. Can you imagine like how that would feel personally? Like, I'm sorry, Archer, that you're going through that. But like me personally, don't want that. I'm being very vulnerable right now. (laughs) Yes. And you have to have a seizure on me. That's not fair. You're like, wait, this wasn't planned into my night. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> Mine is Addie with the drama, right? The scene didn't need to be there. Derek, I need you. Yeah, like a, <laughs> before it was weird. Yeah. And then they repeated it. What a Shondaland move. Yeah. Yeah, totally. In the elevator with Sheldon and Cooper and Violet, did it look to you like Sheldon had on lip balm and the same lip balm <laughs> as Violet? I have a question. So again, yeah. Brie has rewatched Private Practice recently. And again, I know we're not spoiling anything. I have only seen it once, I think. So yes. um, I I have a note that says, how does Sheldon, I mean, I know that he slept with Violet because mm-hmm. we learned that later on. But like, I'm wondering, I said, how does Sheldon fit into this whole group? Is he sexy? Is he quirky? Like, like what, what are the fans take of him? Like, what is he? He's definitely not your like, you know, Pete. Like, I feel like he's like a different vibe. Yeah. Brie looks like she wants to say something. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I am going to say that as a viewer, I don't get what they're trying to do with Sheldon (laughs) because they try, they spin him as sexy at some points, I would say. Yeah. And he's around, like he's, he's credited as being around. So I feel like it's not a spoiler to say he's around, but he sticks around for quite a while. Yeah. I feel like what they're trying to do with him is just an an enduring question. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I also do not know, but basically he was like, ooh, Violet, I think you're cute. Let's get together. And then he was like, never mind. Let's be friends. Okay. And then they were friends for a minute and he was like, just kidding. He showed up at her door and just was like, let's go. And now- Okay. Because he's a psychologist, psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Okay. Right. Both are. Which I find very interesting because psychiatrists don't do like talk Talk therapy. therapy. Yeah. yeah, they do they do meds. They don't do – so I find that very interesting. But it looks like they're wearing the same lip balm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know that. I would think that they were – I would think that they were wearing the same – that they were just like making out or something because it looks like they're wearing the same lip balm. It's a good catch. Yeah, I didn't pick that up, but I'm going to go re-watch it again and I'm going to look for that. Yeah, it's, it's at the very beginning. It's before I even get to like the – before we even meet anybody, but I was like – I was like, are you 
is this like a makeup is this like a last looks thing it's like right before <laughs> right before you shoot dear listeners if you if you don't know the um director of the ad calls last looks and the makeup and hair department comes up and is like are you shiny do you have like flyaways and they fix whatever and i was thinking maybe just it was a makeup your lips are dry <laughs> yeah right so they both just got the same lip balm i don't know their hair and makeup on the show is amazing though could be yeah i mean addison's wardrobe incredible something else it's something else yes yeah. and naomi yeah i have a note that i just said charlotte and cooper i forgot how much i love them and the tension between them like i think what i love in relationships on shows like this is when they're they're not you want them to just be happy and they're not like we talk about this on our show all the time and so it was interesting to view a couple in the midst of when like things are rocky kind of for them right now you know yes definitely do you guys have any more first notes before we move into patty nope I do not. I have a question. Mm. Do you recognize Patty? I didn't until I saw your notes. <laughs> okay. I don't recognize her. She is the girl who plays cards with Christina with that great monologue, how we find out that the that Christina's dad dies in a car accident and Christina's there and tries to save him. Oh, look at her getting on both shows. Good for her. I know. And very closely, because I think that's in season six. So it would be like a year after. Yeah. It's a good little tidbit. Yeah. The Patty storyline, obviously, like I said, I've seen this before. And right away, I just have a note that says, oh, yeah, this girl's abandoned. (laughs) Like, I just like, I immediately remembered uh, her parents aren't coming back from the bank. It's just crazy. She's, that's so sad. It was very sad. And I felt bad for Cooper. I... I felt really sad for her as well. And it's really sad to me when Cooper goes to talk to the parents, like after Mm -hmm. we find out that she is abandoned. And I want to just be like, why did you have a child? You know, that this is so complicated and it's very expensive. And I'm just like, I don't know. That's, that's what you're signing up for when you have a kid. Yeah. I liked Cooper's quote when he says, for a kid like that, I would walk over broken glass to help her. You are done. You are you don't deserve her. Because they kept saying, we are done. And he's just like, you are done. And I I just thought that was great because I didn't want him to coddle the parents, you know, or like, because like, you can't do that. Or if you're going to do it, do it the right way and go through adoption and social workers. Like, don't just drop your kid off when they're or that old. grandparent, aunt, something. Yes. It was hard to watch. At the beginning, when Pete says Patty is out there reading to her teddy bear, I know <laughs> she was also a very intellectually smart child. Yes, I felt like she's just like very sharp and just sad, made it worse. Yes, I agree. Did anyone get very nervous when Violet was talking to her and talking about what a mommy and a daddy does? And then she said, A daddy crawls into bed with her, and I was like, Oh, shit. we're about to go into like. Yes an abuse story and this is really and then it was like very quickly turned into like and he snores and reads me a story and I was like oh thank god oh my god I yes yes that's what we could not handle that doing this (laughs) I feel like that's such a tactic of a television show you know like make your emotions go I have a note that I wish adult therapy was like kids therapy I would like to draw I mean I guess there is art therapy I could do those things but I just like I just love the way Violet I think she's a great therapist or psychiatrist whatever she is I agree. I was confused how they moved out of their house so quickly. Yeah. Logistically. <laughs> yeah, logistically. Unless they were unless they were preparing things and Patty just didn't notice. 
how do you just like it takes weeks months i i recently <laughs> moved into our home well a year ago i guess and yeah i can attest to it is not a couple hour event to get all of your furniture out it takes days and days so quite longer than at the bank Bree, are you imagining the man falling through the hole in your living <laughs> yeah, room yeah i am this i this mover he was all over the place. Super high. Super high. He's reeked of marijuana. And he was like, one other dude, and he was like, I'm here to move your whole apartment. And I was like, this isn't going to go well. And it didn't. Two minutes? It didn't, back. because at one point we, we had just redone our floors and we didn't put the vent covers back on. <laughs> he, went, he came in, and he was like holding a couch, and he's like, where do you want this? And stepped in his leg, went... And he went down. Like, not a little event cover. Like, he went up to his hip. He went up to his hip. And, and it was Abby and me and a friend standing watching. And we just stared. And he was like, has that always been there? I was like, I'm going to get sued. His leg just got cut off. Um, and then the best part was, like, I was so worried because we just redone our floors that I went and picked up the couch because I was so afraid that it would scratch the floor. Instead of helping the guy, I was like, I better go lift the couch. He wanted to, like, buy a bunch of your paintings in your home. He was yeah. <laughs> just interesting. So, it was an experience. So, yeah. You know, the point movers. is, even if you hire yeah. movers, sometimes they're not great. Oh. <laughs> One of my apartments, they showed up like five hours late, and then they asked for our autographs because they like saw what we what we were moving in. They were like, "Should we know you?" And we were like, oh, "Probably, probably not. Please don't come back and kill us." Was like, Can we have your autographs. So me and my roommates were all like, "Sure, that's amazing." Yeah, it was real weird. It was real. I weird. would write like someone very famous's name, and then they'll be like, "Dude, I moved so and so." Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs> Back right. to Patty. Yes. yes. I, I hate American healthcare, elective surgery, but it's necessary. It doesn't make sense. Mm, okay. Yeah. No, not at all. It should be someone's job to be calling the parents nonstop, right? Mm -hmm. Nonstop. Then I went on a tangent in my brain and said, we should have a private detective <laughs> join the co-op. Oh, yeah. Wait, a private detective doing what? Like, we have, like, an OB, a fertility specialist, and um, whatever Pete does, um, alternative medicine. <laughs> she wants Olivia Benson to join the team. That's yes. so funny you say that because I have a note that says private practice does this thing that SVU does when they bounce ideas back and forth. And then at the end, they're like, yeah. you decide. And they were doing that over this story in the kitchen where they're like, well, the parents, you know, did this and maybe they should have done that. And I was like, God, this is such an SVU thing. I love those scenes where they're in mm -hmm. that kitchen. I do too. Do you have any last notes about Patty? I just said I'm really glad that Cooper can still be her doctor. Mm, yes. Yeah. He's a good doctor. Cooper mm -hmm. Cooper reminds me of Ben Platt. I feel like they look I the same. Yeah, and they're I both kind of like, like I could see an older Ben Platt playing Cooper. No, I feel like if Cooper was like 18, he would play Evan Hansen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see it. I see it. Should we move on to Maggie and Beth Klein? Perfect. I'm really into Dell's solar scrub cap. <laughs> we need to take more fashion notes. This is what we used to do, Brie. We would just talk about what they looked like. This is way more fun. I need to pay attention to this. 
I do have to say that the fashion on this show is much more intricate than the fashion on Grey's because yes. it's just like what color scrubs are they wearing today? But the scrub cap, it was just the colors were so bright and they were like <laughs> stars and planets and it was beautiful. And then Addie had on a scrub cap, but it wasn't her normal scrub cap, so it didn't give me as much serotonin as I <laughs> Dell could be Zach Efron. Like they could also be this like recast as each other. Yes. I got them confused in the in the backdoor pilot, or I think it's the backdoor pilot, when he is, like, shirtless in the lobby mm-hmm. with the... With the um, that is him, then. Okay, like the surfer dude. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's still him, but he has that Zac Efron mm-hmm. haircut, and I think it's mm-hmm. just a, a little bit different now. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. I used to get them confused all the time. Yeah. All the time. I I think what I... Guess what I... I the, as much about the patients, I don't know if they were in previous episodes of Private Practice. It seemed like... Or at least Naomi was their doctor, right? Yeah, that happens a lot where it's just like they show up when it's time for labor. We have not seen them before, though. Okay. I felt like it was a real life, really like something that could truly happen where it's your first time doing something and you feel like you did something wrong. And I loved – also, I have a note that I would love to have a – I mean, I don't work in an office, but if I did, I'd love to have an on-call therapist at all times that I could just like – I guess Brie is becoming my on-call therapist, but just like someone that I can be like, I'm feeling this way, you know, and then how Violet is basically just like, you want Naomi to tell you that it's okay, or or not Naomi, Addison, like you want those tests to confirm that you didn't make a mistake, but you don't want it for the baby. You want it for yourself to know that you didn't mess up. And I feel like that is such a real emotion when you do something for the first time as an adult, like you need someone to tell you that you didn't mess up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's not even validation. It's just like an, okay, you didn't kill someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. I think Dell really lacks in confidence. And, you know, I feel like that's kind of his biggest struggle as his character, maybe. Maybe that changes. I don't know. No spoilers. I don't know. Bree has seen it many times. Um, we don't have any idea what happens to anyone. Yeah, but it's 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 sad that, you know, he's spending his whole day, like, so concerned when I really don't think he needs to be. Part of me, too, kind of wishes that maybe Addison would have done a better, like, teaching moment to him instead of just kind of mm-hmm. – instead of just pushing his fears and anxieties aside. Granted, I understand – we'll talk about Archer. She's dealing with some other things. So I do think it was it was good that Violet was there to – guide him I guess yeah I agree I had forgotten that he was the first person that she tells besides Cooper about being pregnant yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah are we talking about Violet and Dell in that moment why not we can I don't I only have a little bit about them I just think thought it was really funny how when she had the ultrasound she was like I don't see anything but psychiatrists go to medical school as well like I know that they do all of medical school. They do their rotations and then they do their residency. So she knows how to read. Yeah. My guess is it's just so overwhelming when it's your own though. Like you're just, I think it like takes you out of it. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. probably. I think you're right, Abby, but like she definitely knows how to do it because she talks about all the time, not all the time, but she talks about how she's a doctor, you know, like I went to medical yeah. school. So that's, that's part of mm-hmm. medical school. <laughs> quite a yeah. big part <laughs> yeah did anyone else think it was weird that violet kissed Dell on the cheek yes um i kind of see her as like a maternal figure for him so i didn't clock it but i see you and that you did 
They were yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I was just kind of like, well, that seems inappropriate for the workplace. But then I think this whole show is just inappropriate workplace. <laughs> yeah. Along with their private detective, they need an yeah, HR totally. Real bad. <laughs> yeah. Real bad. Do you have anything else on Violet and Dell? Just that Violet was having a panic attack. Yeah. And I thought I thought Dell did I just thought their their moment was really sweet. Like they're both going through something and they were both able to speak truth to each other. So I agree. Yeah. I would also be worried if that baby's head came out like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that vacuum deliveries are not like super abnormal, but even if that wasn't my first time doing it, I'd be like, This is concerning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where the med school comes in, though, I feel like, where you, like, would be able to tell yourself, this is normal. It is a thing that happens. Yes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But also, Del is a dad, but some babies are just quiet. Oh, yeah, we've met Betsy. Okay. Um, But it's also unclear at this point how much time he has spent with her when she was Mm -hmm. an infant. Okay. So – yeah, I mean, there's a concerning thing on her head, but some can, some kids are just quiet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One can only hope if I have a child, it will be a quiet Fingers child. Crossed. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the baby that they cast is really cute, and her toes are adorable. Mm-hmm. She's a super cute baby. I know that we only see the toes in it, but there's tiny little toes <laughs> her little feet. <laughs> they were so cute. Do you have anything else on Maggie and Beth? I, I do not, not either. Nope. Let's move into our miscellaneous section. Perfect. We can talk about Cooper and Charlotte, who I call Sharper. Sharper. <laughs> Sharper. Charlotte and Cooper. Oh, I, I love it. I thought you meant that like Charlotte was a sharp individual. I was like, yeah, I, I can she kind is. of see that. I really, I, there's not that much that happens with them except at the end, I feel like. Like, there's the beginning one. Um, and I really respect Charlotte's opinion towards Cooper living with Violet. She says – he says to her, I'm I'm not the father. I'm the best friend. And Charlotte says, what about me? Your first child was supposed to be with me. Those moments were supposed to be ours. Enjoy, enjoy your first child, Cooper. And while I do believe that Cooper's intent is not like he truly is just going to be a friend, like I don't think it's going to be weird like that or that I don't think he's trying to be weird like that. I feel like Charlotte has a point and it's that like intent doesn't matter how it's received. And like his girlfriend, his partner, I'm, they're dating, right? Or no? Yes. Okay. Um, well, at this point, it's a bit unclear. Okay. Because it's a bit unclear. They've broken up because – she was lying, but then they kind of got back together, and then she proposed, and then he said, not right now, but didn't say no, and that's where they left off when he said, I'm moving in with Violet. Okay, thank you. I just feel like it, it. I that would make me uncomfortable. Like, I tried to imagine if Jake and I, and before we were married, were kind of serious, and then he went and moved in with another girl who was having a baby who they were best friends with. I would just assume that they're going to fall in love and raise the baby together. Like, I just, like, yeah. So, I don't know. It's it, It's interesting. That's fair. But I feel like I do agree. But what she has a quote that I wrote down. You can't have a woman be your best friend because there's a more important woman in your life. Mm. That is where I had an issue with because the I, I get the whole your first baby should be with me thing. Sure, if that's how you feel and there aren't already children. I just feel like if you cut everyone else out of your life when you get into a relationship, that relationship right. becomes unhealthy. Absolutely. 
Yeah. For sure. And that, I don't think that's her intention, but that quote, you can be the most, you can be the most important person in his life and he can still have important people to him. Absolutely. I think the problem where the problem lies then, I think Cooper doesn't do a great job explaining these things or like dialoguing with Charlotte. I, I think Charlotte's what the quote you just said is problematic, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes Cooper just doesn't show Charlotte that you are super important to me and Violet is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Violet and Cooper have this history, this friendship it would be difficult to walk into that as a partner and not have feelings that like I'm being left out or left behind or, you know, a whole array of different things. So I don't agree with what Charlotte says, but I don't think that Cooper necessarily helps alleviate any of that fear or anxiety. You mean kind of like when he says to her that Violet's pregnant and doesn't immediately say that he is not the father? Maybe kind of like that. (laughs) Yeah, in all caps, I say, Cooper, when you tell Charlotte that Violet is pregnant, say it's not yours. <laughs> yeah, that's an important piece of information. Yeah, 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 especially when she's already so upset. I think that's all I have about the two of them. Do you have anything else about the two of them? Mm-mm. Nope. Okay, I I have something just about Charlotte. I'm still extremely confused how Charlotte has these two high stakes long hour jobs that she's doing simultaneously <laughs> where she's running this practice and she's chief of staff at this hospital that it seems to be like the only hospital in all of California. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like I, I feel that at least in the before times I was a very, um, you know, motivated person, <laughs> but I, I just don't understand how she can do two full-time jobs at a time. <laughs> I don't quite get she's it. She's a robot. Is she being? Yes. <laughs> I all the acting in this episode is impeccable. The Addison Naomi scene and the Sheldon Pete Violet scene, like the switch that you see Pete and Sheldon make when she says she's pregnant and she doesn't know whose it is. It's the acting is so good. I forgot how angry Pete got when he assumes that she's going to keep it. And neither of them respond with a shred of concern for her. And also, mm-hmm. again, all caps, it takes two to tango, folks. You're doctors. You know how this goes. Yeah, I, I did respect their opinion, so that, like, Violet was putting words in their mouth. Like, yes. assuming that – because I kind of read it as, as they were mad that – or Pete was mad that she was assuming that he wouldn't help if it was his. Like, she's like, I'm on my own. Like, don't worry. None of you would ever. And I feel like his anger was – and I could be totally, because I haven't watched any, but like you just chose for me and I don't even get a say in it. I don't know. Last episode, they had one of those like supposed to be comedic scenes where they put like that, <laughs> where it's like, um, would you ever like, if you would want to be a dad, those things, which she did that with both of them. And they both were kind of like, yeah, no, no way. So she has dipped her toe in the water, but Got I it. also feel like it's different when it's your child. Yeah. And yeah, that was one of my notes in in our last episode as well of like, you know that it is an option, like it is something that could happen that she could have a baby. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just, it seems complicated. It's going to be a long road. You can just sense watching this scene like, oh God, they're going to, this storyline is going to be 
long and twisty and yeah, it goes on for quite yeah. a while. It's it's difficult to talk about without having any spoilers, mm-hmm. but I, I would say that we're doing a bang up yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> when Sheldon says kids just don't seem to like me, I wish they did. I've always liked Aww. them. It's Aww. the start of why I've always loved Sheldon. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that scene where they talk to each other and they kind of have change of heart with each other. Yeah, like the two guys talk together. Yeah. Yeah. I I also I meant to mention this with oh. Dell, but when he says to Violet, keeping it local, when she's like, I don't know if the dad is Pete or Sheldon. I just love that he said keeping it yeah. local. Keeping it that local, that's cool. I have that quote too. <laughs> yeah, he has a lot of those great yeah. quips. Private practice miscellaneous note for these three episodes is Pete, if you're going to step up and be a dad to the child that you possibly have fathered you aren't allowed to have an issue with Cooper or anyone else doing it first. Step up or butt out. And certainly don't make Violet feel guilty or selfish. Like, if he's not going to do it, he can't say that Cooper can't. Mm. Amen. Dear listeners, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Alright, we are back with Grey's Anatomy, Season 5, Episode 15. Who did I ask your first note last time, Abby? Yep, so Brie. Okay, so Brie's turn. Brie, what is your first note? I said, I feel like I am home watching Grey's. (laughs) Like, it felt so comfortable to be in a show where I was like, yes, absolutely. Know everything that's going on. Very cool. Um... And then my second yep. note was when Richard gives Addison a big hug and then Derek, mm-hmm. like when they all hug each other, I was like, that was a very sweet moment. I, so I know we haven't talked about the Archer storyline yet, but the episode prior ends with Archer, Archer, Naomi and Addison getting in an ambulance and they're going to go to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I, then that starts with them getting out of an ambulance in the same outfits. And I guess I just was like, did they drive all the way there? That feels like they definitely got an airplane at some point, right? I feel like at the end, she said something about like a mm-hmm. helipad. Right. So I was just, but it, and I assume that an ambulance met them, but I, I just, it, I was like, oh, so they just took the ambulance there. Like it just, that part didn't quite check out to me. But wouldn't you think that they would land on the roof? That's what I was going to say. They <laughs> right, land on the hospital I- all the time and like the medical helipad. So <laughs> maybe they didn't have the, the CGI budget for that today. That's probably it. Budget yeah. cut. <laughs> the wind. <laughs> Owen wasn't there to be like, oh, my white coat. (laughs) My first note is I also love that Richard is out there with Derek because he's Mm -hmm. the only other Grey's cast member that we've seen on Private Practice so far. And it establishes him as such like a wonderful mentor and father figure that we've known him as already. And I also love those hugs. So sweet. Was, and I don't need you to recap because I know your listeners have heard this. Was there a crossover episode already or is this the first one? The backdoor pilot was actually episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Where oh, that's Addison, right. That's right. Yes. So yes, but also in the first scene when Addison, like when she decides to go to LA, um, she talks to Richard in a scrub room. Perfect. Yeah. Um, next, I was like, ooh, appendix, all caps, all caps, appendix interns and brain tumor Izzy. Yes. Yes. Brain tumor Izzy. Yeah. I didn't clock it, I think, when I first watched it, or maybe second or third or fourth or fifth time watching Grey's Anatomy, 
I know I sound like a crazy person because I am. Um, but Alex is like, the scissors are right in front of you. It's because the tumor is impeding her optical nerve and she can't see it. Yeah, I love that he says dead boyfriend. Is this your dead boyfriend art therapy? I was like, I love that. It's a great quote. Yeah. I think it was really weird to, I know this is not a Grey's Anatomy podcast, but <laughs> it was really weird to see Izzy because we are past that on our podcast and our watch through. So it was yes. like really weird to put myself back in that season that we've already like discussed and gone through. And I was just like, ah, Izzy's here. Nah, she has a brain tumor. And oh my God, like what, this is crazy that we're here again is this before or after the ghost sex do you guys remember this is before Before? the ghost sex but like just before because she's like done in season five she just comes back for a hair of season six once ghost sex happens though i feel like denny's in every episode so i feel like because she's seen denny but she hasn't had ghost sex yet okay okay Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, okay, that makes sense. After the appendix madness, um, listeners, if you somehow watch Private Practice but have not seen Grey's Anatomy, the interns that you see doing Izzy's little scavenger hunt in the episode prior were found cutting out another intern's appendix in the basement Mm -hmm. by themselves, Mm -hmm. which is not allowed. And creepy. (laughs) Or... (laughs) Should be done. Yes, very weird. Very weird. So after that, they're lucky to be playing a game. I feel like in other programs, most programs, they would be kicked out. And I feel like you two talked about this when you were back in in those seasons as well. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. It was it was weird to see. And I know, like again, we're not going to harp on the Grey's Anatomy storylines that don't really matter. But like, it was weird that this was also. It's weird to me the ones they choose to have be a crossover that they'd also have kind of important things like Sadie leaving the show, even though she wasn't on there for that long. Um, also, like Owen and the patient we're going to yeah. talk about. Like, like there's a yeah. lot of important Grey's things that happen on an episode that I guess private practice wouldn't have to watch this, right? Like they could have just skipped it and gone like, I feel like quite a lot of Archer stuff happens, but also I was, I was thinking about this. I feel like everyone who watches private practice watched Grey's Anatomy and vice versa. It's different than station 19. Yeah. Because we love Ben, but Ben is not Addison. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we see Bailey every once in a while. We see Richard every once in a while on on Station 19, but it's just not the same thing. And not to say that it's an inferior show, but it's just not um, – it's, it's not as interwoven. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Bailey meeting Naomi made me so happy. And I know that um, they don't end in a great spot, but like – and I'll talk about this eventually whenever I get to co-host you, your – yours but my favorite relationships are bailey and addison and callie like the three mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. their friendship triangle is my favorite thing in the world so bailey meeting addison's best friend was oh my god and also chandra wilson meeting audrey mcdonald was like oh yeah two queens in a like in a, yeah 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 i'm also in love with bailey just coming to addison's side and dropping her mischievous interns well, they're not interns anymore, but they're her And residents. how excited she is that you cut your hair. Like, she's just, like, mm-hmm. super supportive yeah. of Addison. Um, yeah. And when Callie hears and she's like, Addison's yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. 
that scene with that. with Callie in the in like praying with Addison in the chapel was a top scene of mine. A because as a Grey's watcher and fan, like seeing them together again was such a great reward. You know, because I loved their yeah. friendship and just the way. Yeah. Just how she says, Addison says, I have no clout with God. God doesn't even know who I am. And I love that yes. Callie is like just starts praying in front of her and like in kind of showing her in a way that like it can just be a casual conversation. And and also she mentions Arizona and like she's like, she's hot, really hot. I feel like it's just a great moment where two friends, one who is not confident in what they're doing, the other one's like, you got this. It's just like, let me just show you. It's just a great moment. The quote she says is, you're an amazing doctor. You save babies. God knows mm, who you are. That's such a sweet mm, quote. Yeah. I love it that Kelly's the one who helps her, helps her specifically because of mm-hmm. her family upbringing and how we know about that. And also the fact that that's how she comes out to Addison. Mm-hmm. Like it's a good distraction for Addison's brain without it being selfish. Because I feel like in some ways – if your brother's like dying in the hospital and you're like, by the way, I'm seeing a woman. You didn't know that I like women. Ha ha. <laughs> that could be selfish. But the way that Callie does it oh, was just- Oh, that's Addison kinda... finding out she's in love with a woman. Yeah, because the last time, as far as I can remember, the last time Addison saw her was when Han was in the picture and Callie's like, oh, maybe I do like her. Okay, got it. Perfect. Yeah. You're yeah. right. It is a non. It's a. It was a. That's a great little way. Oh, these old yeah. episodes are good. The patient that the only one really besides Archer who we'll talk about is is Michael, right? Who is yes. Owen's ex fiance's dad? Yeah, not father in law. Not not father in law. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they paired that with the Archer. I don't know. I doubt there was a correlation, but in the sense of like Archer didn't want Addison to know that. Um, that he had, you know, this cancer to protect her. And in the same way, um, didn't, yeah. And in the same way, this dad is trying to protect his daughter. I didn't know if there was any other tie in besides that. I like, wasn't, I feel like in not talking about grace, really in, in terms of private practice, this patient had no, it did not really matter that it happened. Well, I think too, though, it was the, it was more about how like Meredith doesn't know who Derek was in the past. He was different in the past and Owen Mm -hmm. was different in the past with Christina. So those storylines kind of came together. Yeah. That scene at the end when they're both on the overwalk, what do you even call that? It's not about whatever it is with Christina and Meredith and Derek used to, what did did she say? Derek used to play guitar. (laughs) Derek used to play guitar. Um, I I liked Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I really like that. And then, and then Owen, Meredith, uh, or sorry, Christina says something about how Owen's ex-fiance is in the hospital and that she calls her dad, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was also, I wrote down like what a switch from the rest of his love interests Beth is. And then I was like, this guy really doesn't have a type because she's described yeah. as a sunshine girl. And that's not how I would at all describe Christina, Amelia, or Teddy. Um, but the more they talked about it, I was like, you know what? He talks about how different he is now than he was before he went to yes. war. So, I mean, I would imagine that that would change what you want in a partner as well. So for sure. And I, I had forgotten that he hadn't seen his mom yet. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he's been back and hasn't mm-hmm. told his mom has been calling his mom, but acting like he's still overseas. Yeah. Yep. I'm confused with the logistics of that, but good on him i guess but not really yeah i like interesting because like wouldn't you think there'd be caller id or something you know that or <laughs> yeah don't you don't you have to call i don't i like i know nothing about the military i should know more about but don't you have to call from like a satellite phone or something i think so 
And he's just calling from his... Maybe his mom is old and doesn't understand technology. So she's like, well, whatever. Possible. But then later she gets a... Young boyfriend. Very cute firefighter boyfriend. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was heartbreaking to me when Beth was still expecting him to take her back. I know. When she, like, hugs him and he, like, pulls her pants off of him. I was like, ooh, I, I don't like that. No, it was very uncomfortable. Was, like this, this episode, I don't feel either which way on Owen, depending on the the scene. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I know mm-hmm. some people really dislike him. I love Kevin McKidd. I think he's incredible, but Owen himself, I go very hot and cold on. But this episode as a whole, I would say, I feel like is a lot of the reason why people don't like Owen. Like you can just pick scenes out and even just body language and be like this is what makes Kevin McKidd an incredible actor but this is why I don't like Owen I would Mm -hmm. totally agree with that because although you know he's like seeing Christina um and so there's there's a part of it where it's like well he's being like true to her and like being with her it's not great because we find out his backstory of how he ended it with his ex-fiance and a two-line email and um not calling his mom and yeah, you just start to really pick up on like some of his character flaws in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, and he tries to write it off and just be like, this is me now. That was it, which like I'm sure is. Like I'm sure the effects of like war, he does, he has come out of that as an entirely new person, but I don't think that that is an okay to write off all of that past and just be like, you like you know me it's kind of like Derek never telling Meredith he was married like even if you are changed and you feel differently you you're past you kind of got to deal with it a little bit it can't just disappear agreed I would agree did think it was weird that we don't find out you know what happens after yeah and I don't think we know later either we just are left in the dark on that one Yeah. Well, we're going to put the energy into the universe that he makes a full recovery and lives a long And that she life. finds someone else that can make her happy. Make yeah. her happy. That's what happened. And their family is thriving. Yes. They're doing well. <laughs> thriving. Yeah. Thriving. My first miscellaneous note is even I know that a Whipple is for the pancreas and not the mouth, Sadie Harris. I, yeah. Like, what are you doing? Why are you draping it over the whole body and leaving the face open? Yeah. Not great. No. I have a note that just, I love seeing Christina, Meredith, George, and Alex all together in a scene that was just like, oh, this is the last year of that. (laughs) Like, that was just so, you know, whatever. And I also really miss Lexi's competitive spirit. Her, like, dominating that game like I love that aspect of her character and I I feel like there's not really someone like that on the show right now so Mm -hmm. yeah we had it with Stephanie for a while I feel yeah Mm -hmm. I feel I think they were they were trying to do it with Helm for a minute and then and Kadri who I really liked and they just she got fired when Bailey was upset and never came back yeah yeah but I agree I really thought that they would bring her back Anyway, that's that's another story. I really liked Kadri. My heart got so warm in that scene with Mark and Lexi when they were like flirting in the hallway. Dirty flirting. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, no, we don't, we're not doing this if we feel like people don't get to know. Especially because of, <laughs> I, I like, I'll just say because of current grades right now, like one of the episodes that yes. just came out, it was sweet to see them again in this yeah. episode. That, yeah. In the yeah. same place. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that when Sadie and Mare are breaking mm-hmm. up, 
the Meredith theme song is playing underneath. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was important. Meredith is choosing in that moment that she wants to be there and this is her life now. So I feel like it's playing because mm-hmm. she's telling Sadie that like her life here now is what she wants. I love that Sadie tried to kind of make her feel bad for her choice and was like, look at what this place has done for you. And for Meredith, instead of getting like defensive, she was like, no, this is what I want. I, I love Yeah, I want. Yeah, I love her. that idea instead of like, well, no, I'm not that way. And I've changed. It's like, you just don't get it. This is what I want now. And I'm proud of that. And I want to be here. I love that. Mm -hmm. And what she means by that is she wants to be with Derek. Yeah. And she also wants to be at her job, you know, and working hard as a surgeon. She doesn't want to be traveling around Europe. Not just traveling around Europe. Sleeping around Europe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Any final for our grays two of the three parter? Mm Mm-mm. Okie dokie. All right, dear listeners. So that is going to do it for this week on Beach Houses and Babies. We will be back in two weeks with the rest of this crossover podcast. We're going to finish up with Private Practice Season 2, Episode 16. And then we go on to have some more question and answer with Bri and Abby. And if you are a patron of our podcast, you will be able to get both of these episodes at one time. So you'll be able to get part one and part two, all two hours of it, over two hours of this crossover episode that we have with The Uncall Room. You will be able to get it right now if you become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash b-h-a-b podcast. As always, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor to be the first to hear future episodes. If you'd like to support Beach Houses and Babies, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with a friend. If you have thoughts to share on these episodes, please DM us on Instagram at bhabpodcast or email us at bhabpodcast at gmail.com to be featured on our listener mail segment. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with the rest of this episode in two weeks. TGIT!